Well, welcome to the Desire Truth podcast and our conversation series. I'm joined today by Gabby Samuel. Gabby is the women's and youth worker at Stockwell Baptist Church, and she's also the recently appointed women's ministry development worker at the FIC. That's a, a bit of a mouthful there. <laughs> maybe come on to that. Uh, our conversation today will be focusing on diversity in the church and really diversity in the, the Christian world, the Christian family. Uh, before we get to that, let's get to know Gabby a little bit more. Uh, tell us about yourself, uh, where you're from, uh, where you're living now, how you became a Christian. Uh, just give us a kind of a whistle-stop tour of your life. The whistle-stop, um, hopefully yeah, I do. I do the whistle-stop justice. Um, so lovely to be here with you guys. Um, yeah, Gabby, originally from Manchester, You'll hear it every now and again in my accent. My vowels will just appear super northern. So like pub, mum, grass, bath. <laughs> um, classics. Um, so yeah, everything from Manchester. I grew up in Manchester uh, with mum, sister and grandma. So all the ladies in the house. Um, and then I came to London when I was... So I live in London currently, I live in Brixton. And I came to London about eight, eight or nine years ago now. Hence why my accent has faded, much to the disappointment and shame of my family in Manchester. Um, yeah, so in London at the moment, uh, as, as Ross said, um, at Stockwell Baptist Church, two days a week at the FIEC, three days a week, um, trying to be a useful person to the church. Um, when I, I became a Christian when I was 15, um, I was taken to church by my grandmother. So, you know, it's the kind of context where some, some people will be familiar with this, like grandma will take grandkids to church just to give mum a break, let her, you know, just have a cup of tea by herself about someone pulling out trousers and stuff like that um so yeah so grandma grew up going to church with my grandma um short story met a friend kind of went to church would have said I was a Christian because I didn't do stuff that other kids did and because I was on the Christian side of debates in RE that type of thing um but no real kind of no, no sense of sin or yeah or a call to repentance or loving Jesus um enjoyed church it was fun um Sunday school was great but that's kind of where it started and stopped but 15 a, a friend invited me to her youth group. So I started going to her youth group on a Friday. Um, she eventually invited me to her baptism. And at her baptism, I became a Christian, praise the Lord. So um, I turned 30 this year, so just over half of my life ago, which is a bit weird, um, quite exciting. So yeah, I became a Christian when I was 15 at my friend's, yeah, my friend's baptism, praise Super. the Lord. And that's, that's a testament, isn't it, to, to inviting your friends to your baptism? Yeah. Um, it is the witnessing opportunity um, to, to, to your friends. Yeah, yeah. You talk about accents. I have three children who were all born <laughs> in Scotland who have lived in England long enough now. Oh, no. And they've lived in the States for a little while. So I don't know what they sound like anymore. What's going to come out? <laughs> they, don't, they don't sound Scottish anymore, which uh, I'm still, you know, struggling with. You're coming to terms with. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very patriotic, uh, you know, in that but no, it's, it's great to hear that, that um, you know, 15 years being a Christian, that's fantastic. Um, now, for those who have never been to London, I, I've, I've lived in London, I, I, a family, we visited Brixton, we actually stayed in Brixton for a little while. Uh, tell us a little bit about Brixton area, um, if, you know, the northerners that have never been to yeah, London. Yeah, uh, no, Brixton no, is, is a funny one. Um, it's kind of all the things that you hear about London are probably true. In Brixton specifically so it's like the classic kind of historically would have been um so my background very helpful to say I'm half Caribbean half white British so mixed race and so Brixton is very much kind of historically a very Caribbean area classic Windrush generation they came to the UK uh, it was settled all across the UK really you'll find pockets um 
most places, but in, in London specifically, uh, like a massive Caribbean community in Brixton settled here. Um, and so a very Caribbean area, which is perfect for me. I love it. Um, you can find everything, planting, scotch bonnet, hair shop, everything is here, all that we need. Um, but interestingly, classic kind of in the last maybe 10, 15 years or so, gentrification, you know, Brixton's very cool, was on the cheaper side of things. Um, in London anyway. And so, yeah, kind of young professionals, largely white middle-class professionals moving into the area. And that definitely has caused like a disturbance in the in the community. And there's been, yeah, tension and, you know, where the old, you know, shop that you would get your meat from, it's now a nail shop or it's now a coffee shop or, um, you know, so there, is, there has been like um, a definite, in the community, a disruption and a tension. I've been in Brixton for maybe five, five years now. Um, and I think there is a settling inness of it, but obviously it has implications long-term for who can afford to stay here and those sorts of things. So Brixton is this current hybrid. You can get the Scotch bonnet and meat and planting. You can also get a nice flat white um, and you can, um, yeah, get your shellac nails done at a lovely uh, West End type nail shop. You're, um, you're, you're yeah. saying that as if I knew what that actually means that they get your I'm, nails I'm, done is, are you not are you know where I, I will talk later we'll talk offline i'll let you know the nails conversation there's a lot of there's a lot of la layers sure, for that but, um, sure girls would love that for those that understood understood and don't worry yeah basically get your nails done in a fancy way, fancy way. Fancy <laughs> i mean nails. you're you're absolutely right brixton is a very cool area when we were staying there as a family yeah. our, our kids kind of loved that kind of hustle and bustle and as you say you can pretty much find just about everything there everything is here um which, which to be fair that's kind of london isn't it is that you kind of wherever you go you find you kind of find what you're looking for yeah well well let's 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 move this conversation into then your kind of work you mentioned that you, you work with stockwell baptist church um and you also work with the fic uh, tell us a yeah. little bit first about stockwell and then kind of morph into your new role and tell us a little bit about what you're doing at the fic yeah, Stockwell, I'm trying to tell all these stories in the short version. I try, I'll do my best. Stockwell is even a whole other conversation. Um, the, the abridged version is, I actually used to be part of a church plant called Brixton Local Church. Uh, very much kind of young, professional, black majority, uh, creative, uh, millennial, classic plant type vibes. Um, we're kind of three years old. Down the road was a church. Um, an older kind of first generation uh, black kind of West African Caribbean church. Um, yeah, but aging kind of their children had grown up and left, their grandchildren had grown up and left. And so an aging congregation. And um, we merged uh, September, 2019. So I've actually only been at Stockwell since September, 2019, but working for the church since, um, for Brixton Local Church and then Stockwell Practice Church for about five years or so. So we kind of a new, we're a merged family, a merged congregation, which has been really such a blessing, actually. Of course, it comes of its own. You have to learn each other in a new way, but such a blessing to have older saints. I can't express the degree to which that has been an outrageous blessing. I think we always knew that we needed it as a church family. We always knew we needed people who had been married for more than four years. <laughs> yeah. um, you need, we needed it. You know, people have got kids older than seven. You know, they've got grandkids that are older than some of, you know, some of us even. Um, Kind of the younger contingent and we we really yeah it's been such a blessing but that was so yeah but we were merged and then six months later covid happened mm. so um that's been a whole a roller coaster but such a blessing and then started working at the fic in uh, september 2020 um 
yeah such a such a yeah a great time to be to be a part of such a great organization kind of working with a, a few different hats on speaking to issues of women's work specifically in London but you know somewhat across the UK but developing women's work um yeah what it looks like to engage um younger women uh with yeah with all of God's word in in robust and, and substantial and, and glorious ways hopefully um in the hope that they would you know serve the church with that um but then also speaking to issues of diversity and culture and race and just how we think about those things while in, while in the church um yeah which is which makes perfect sense when you know the God that we serve so um so that's kind of what FIC has looked like obviously starting a job a new job that's a new role in a pandemic has been slightly weird um but kind of finding my feet with that at the moment yeah I love the the phrase you used there of an outrageous blessing of the, <laughs> the, the older saints and and, and I, oh, I they are. we we've had this in in our church at Lincoln Baptist we we have just about every decade from zero to a hundred um and and it's and it, you are right it's outrageous to have someone in their 80s you know I have a particular guy in church who just phoned me recently mid 80s and just phoned me to tell me that you want to encourage me nothing particular oh. just wanted to encourage um, and then yeah. we also have you know the latest arrival in the church who is what, six months old now and she's going to be able to grow up in a church with that outrageous <laughs> blessing isn't it so it is it's that. amazing I, I remember um I think there's something about it it's been so precious to me in the sense of we can read God's word and I know I believe God's word I believe that God is faithful I believe that he keeps his people I believe that trials come um, but God sustains his people with his word, with the church. You know, you, you read those things and you believe them, but you're 24 and you're panicking about life. Like, oh no, will I buy a house? Will I get married? Where will I live? Uh, how is my mom? Is she okay? How do I be an adult child to my parent? Like, you're just panicking. Will I have a career? Will I not? Oh, what will I do? Like permanent classic millennial panic mode. Yeah. And you know God is faithful and you're trying to, hold on to that in your panic it is something so special to have someone who's 85 tell you that what you read in the bible was true like yeah. god is faithful <laughs> he will keep you um it may look very it may look a, a myriad of ways um but god will keep you and this way look like in my life and this is what this is really the difficult moments um so i think that kind of testimony of of god's god's testimony of himself in the bible but then the older saints to say that testimony is your right to trust that it's true he kept us yeah. um through many difficult maybe slightly more difficult situations you know we've got with the wind rush generation you know they yeah. 22 at 21 they were migrating across the ocean and yeah. god kept them yeah. and for them to say yeah you're, you're right to, to trust god he's trustworthy keep going yeah, yeah it does it, it's, it's such an encouragement such a blessing absolutely yeah, super, super well, joyful. As, as part of your new role at the FIC you had done a video for local conferences so the FIC kind of break up the the country into local areas and they bring a local conference to bring essentially local church leaders together so we can work together and as part of the pastors network I was in, involved in that and, and Gabby as part of her role um, brought a, a video about race and diversity in the church mm -hmm. I, I really loved actually how you started the reason it's stuck in my head and someone that's mixed race you went you know is it just tokenism that I'm here talking about this thing and I just love the fact that you know you almost just immediately put us all at ease but also all a slight awkwardness of 
I really hope it's not tokenism. <laughs> that. That doing this. No, it's great. It was great. Uh, but many of the things you spoke about on that video um, are some of the things really at, at, at Lincoln Baptist we fully believe in. And, and I know uh, amongst the conversations I've had um, within the churches, it's conversations we think are really important. But but timing on these conversations are always really important. And uh, we feel like it's it's the time to, to kind of bring Gabby uh, into this conversation and really delve into some of the things she was saying on that conference. So we're going to start here with a question and let's see where we go. Uh, why should we talk about, uh, and I guess more than that, why should we have diversity in the church specifically yeah. from a race perspective yeah it's, it's such an important conversation you want to kind of start at, start at the beginning why should we be bothered about this why should we talk about this um and I think there were so many reasons you may have noticed I can be a bit of a chatter I say I think it's my northernness <laughs> my northernness means that you know a cup of tea could be a forever so I try and um yeah there's so many reasons you can give for this question but I think as I was thinking about it I think um I think it starts and ends with, with God himself um yeah, the kind of our thoughts about diversity and our thoughts about why our, what our thoughts about it should be are shaped by who we think God to be, what we think his priorities to be, what, what he told us about himself. And I think two things really stand out. Um, and first of all, I think, um, yeah, just knowing who the God of creation is, um, hey, well, he's the God of creation and the creation that, that he has made is bizarrely diverse. Um, you know, we know things, you know, creation tells us of the glory of God um, and creation. And, and we think about that. And I think about plants and I think about trees and I think about going for a walk. Not that I really go for walks, but, you know, I live in London. But, you know, people that have the opportunity to go for long wanders in parks and things. You know, you think, oh, creation, but but we are part of creation. Um, and so, and God is intentional. God, we, God creates people and he hasn't, he's chosen to create people diverse, um, that, that tells us something about the, the place that it has in God's um, expression, his creativity, his expression in the creation that he's made. And obviously we can work that through um, theologically and, and our mind goes to Babel and, and places like that. And it's probably something, you know, it's another conversation for another day. Um, but that, that creativity of God evident in the diversity of his creation, not least in the people of his, of his creation, uh, that will maintain in the new heavens and the new earth, um, yeah, tells us about the place that it has in what God imagines for the world. He imagines it to be and to always be a diverse place with diverse people, um, diverse nations and languages and um, prints. We've got ish, we've got a Scottish brother, Ross, but then we've got, you know, I'm sure you've got different um, people groups, you know, and, and countries have dresses and prints and traditional dress and and if you know if you're Ghanaian, you're from this tribe, it's this print, this um, print, and if you're from this tribe, it's this print. Even yeah, the diversity of that is so layered and it's not incidental, it's not, it's not haphazard. It's intentional from an intentional creating God. Um, but I think his diversity is not only evident in, in God's creation, but in God's salvation plan. Um, and you know, you, you know, earlier, but not least, you know, the promises that God makes to Abraham. Um, God's heart has always been for the nations. Mm. Um, the plan was for Israel to be a light to the nations mm. and for them to be uh, added to uh, the people of God. They were supposed to hear about God, hear about the relationship that he has with his people, hear about the goodness of his laws, and they were to be become a part of the people of God. That would have necessarily meant God's people being diverse. And you, you can track that through um, 
I know we'll know individual stories, you know, Rahab being added to the people of God. And you can track it all the way through the Old Testament and then you get to uh, the New Testament and you get to Acts and, and the day of Pentecost and you get to the Ethiopian eunuch and you get to mission in the New Testament, really. <laughs> and then you get all the way to Revelation and you do get, and, and sometimes we can, we hear this passage so much, but I think it's something to really dwell on. Um, people from every nation, tribe and tongue and that's the ones that we know now, but some of them may not may have existed a thousand years ago and don't exist now. People that from places that, oh, I didn't know it was called that a thousand years ago, and you spoke in this language that has died out. Oh, who knew? And people will be from there from every tribe and tongue and nation worshiping God. Mm. And it's interesting that the, the glory of God is such that one language would not have been sufficient. Yeah. Uh, he need uh, the glory of God to, to be, yeah, to reflect how, um, overwhelming it is it needed mandarin and yoruba and english and french <laughs> um it needed patois yeah. and all of those people will be present with their languages with their tribes with their distinctions but together praising god yeah. um yeah it's eternity is going to be yeah it's over it's, it's going to be it's going to be great it's going to be <laughs> can you imagine well, everyone see. with their food and their culture and their and then their nationness yeah. um that that's the plan passage? yeah that revelation passage is incredible I, as you say when you when you just take a moment to see what it's saying mm -hmm. you know every um, nation tongue and tribe we you know if you put every single country every single tribe every single nation and just put, took one individual from each one as you say the diversity of that is is immense mm -hmm. that is that is in the endless eternal timeless word of god that that's going to be there that's so essentially the, the answer to why should we talk about why should we have diversity i guess simply is it's biblical um to 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 recognize that within the church and um, yeah. having said that though i think one of the things that that i have um recognized i think a lot of churches have recognized is that that all sounds really good Yep. <laughs> but clearly there are yeah. difficulties in the church when we talk about diversity and race. Yeah. I think certainly recently there's yeah. been conversations over it, but I think ultimately where there are sinners, there are going to be difficulties. And therefore this is not new to our season of church, yeah. it's not new in this century. Uh, this is something that is, is difficult because ultimately we are sinners and, and we yeah. will sin before God. So what are some of the difficulties that you have seen um, yeah. either individually or just within a church setting where diversity and race has been quite difficult uh, within, a, within that kind of church setting? Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think we see the picture, we, we, get, we get it, but in practice, it can feel really difficult. Um, and I think that's not a bad thing to acknowledge. I think it's, on, you know, it's, it's good to know where you are in the conversation and know what parts of it you find easy, what parts of it you find difficult, what specific things people say that kind of just not rub you the wrong way but yeah they just um yeah it's hard to hear and to kind of to be aware of that and to if there's time and space to process that and, and just think about our own responses but I think you're right there are difficulties and, and the part of that is is our own on all sides of, of the conversation is our own pride that our own sinfulness um it's it's hard to hear um hard things <laughs> it can be hard to hear that maybe things were, were offensive when they didn't mean to be and and 
and things were hurtful when that wasn't the intention. And then if we're honest, sometimes, you know, some, some of our mistakes are unintentional. Sometimes we do hold, um, all sides of the conversation kind of hold bias and, and bad experiences with certain people from certain places. And all those things can add up and affect how we engage with somebody um, or engage with a group of people. So I think previous experience makes it difficult. I think some of the difficulties is just the awkwardness. Um, I think there can be a fear of saying the wrong thing and being heard to say something that you weren't trying to say and then having to backtrack you feel like you're digging a deeper hole and it's not getting any better and just want to stop talking just the best safest thing to do at this moment is to be quiet because I don't know what to say and how to say it um that that can be a real difficulty in church families because where there's genuine love and genuine brotherly affection you don't want to offend you don't want to upset you don't want to push people away you want you want them to come close um and if you think your language or what you might say or the way you might say it is going to is going to have that effect, mm. the instinct seems to just be just keep a wide, a wide berth <laughs> uh, or, or, or not speak. And so I think there are those, um, yeah, those sincere difficulties. Obviously, it depends on what on what spectrum you're talking in a local church. It might look one way. When we think about the church internationally and if people follow conversations in America and across the world. Um, yeah, there's, there's there's lots of history here in the, in the UK. There's lots of history here. And um I think if we're not aware of the history and not aware of how the ways that the, the history around issues of race in the UK af affect the, the current context, mm. we can speak, um, yeah, unaware of the context. And if Christians and, you know, Bible teaching churches know anything, it's the value of context. Context informs how we understand an isolated incident from the wider context, how we give meaning to our incident. And if we're not aware of the context, because it can be, it's hard work to figure out the context, it's, it can be personally quite painful um, yeah, to process the kind of context of race relations in the UK. Um, we can make missteps um, just because we're not aware. So I think all of those things, kind of the, the global context, kind of the UK's own race relations in the UK and just the awkwardness of it can mean that this, um, yeah, it can be quite, it can be a difficult conversation, but I think everyone feels that. I think that's helpful to know. I think sometimes, if I can speak frankly, maybe it's my northernness again, I don't know. Um, I don't have issue with language of white people and black people and Asian people. Obviously, where, where that's a helpful broader term to use. I think, um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, sometimes even the language that you use can be, can be difficult. What do you say? And I think sometimes, um, yeah, some white people can feel like it's, it's an attack. But then I think sometimes it's good for white people to know that sometimes black people find these conversations difficult. Yeah. And for black people, sometimes Asian people find these conversations difficult. I've got a friend, I did a, another event on diversity and his, um, he's Asian. And it was really interesting hearing his point of view. He was like, because so much has happened with, um, with the black community in recent years, this was before the kind of recent kind of um, attacks on, on the Asian community. Um, he said, because so much has happened and the history is so difficult for the black community, he almost feels as an Asian person, his kind of concerns, you know, they're not that serious compared to the black community's concerns. And so even between, yeah, I think it's, it's helpful so that everybody can find this conversation difficult. Everybody can find this conversation awkward. No one particular group is, is, loving, is loving talking about this thing and everybody else is hating it. I think everyone, yeah, has, has their own difficulties for different reasons at different times. And I, I want to kind of pull out on that awkwardness element because yeah. I, I think I think the awkwardness it was something that you actually uh, had said on your video and I think to be honest my experience within the local church has been awkwardness tends to be one of the 
the kind of greatest barriers to that kind of celebration of multi ethnic yeah. multi-racial uh, churches uh, just as an example it's, it's one of those things that you know I, I maybe feel comfortable you know saying that I'm white and, and I'm Scottish if, if I was mm -hmm. to take a form I never say British I say Scottish do you know mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm patriotic <laughs> in that sense but there is an awkwardness, I think, when you're talking about people from different parts of the world, including also people from your own, you know, environment. So let's say we're, yeah. we're you know, as you mentioned, um, um, that you are also mixed race from 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 white British in the sense mm -hmm. of, I think we we get really awkward about terminology. We get really awkward about how we describe people. Yeah, <laughs> I think we get really awkward about. You know tokenism as as you've kind of joked about yeah. and and we kind of to some extent we do joke about it because we don't really know how to say, <laughs> say things properly so one of the things i kind of want to pull out in that is how do we get over that awkwardness um is there a way of speech is there a way of heart is there a way of mind that we can actually talk freely and openly and not fear about saying the wrong thing is there yeah, something think, that you can pull I think you're bang on. I think the awkwardness, um, yeah, kills off so many of these conversations. That would be really fruitful. And I think the, probably the first thing to say, kind of a way of heart, a way of mind, is that it is awkward. Like this, sometimes we're looking for a cheat code, like a way around it. Like the way around it is to go through it. Like you, you I think it's something, it's uncomfortable because we're not used to talking in these ways. Because yeah, if we if we don't have um, relationships with people from certain groups, we don't know what to say or what they find offensive or how to say it. And, and so if it's your first kind of, in the life of the church, you know, praise God, your church family is diverse. That might be your first significant relationship with someone from that culture. You don't know, you don't, you, you actually don't know. Um, and so, yeah, it, might, it's, it may well be awkward. <laughs> um, I think people can feel like if, they, if it's awkward, they're doing, they're doing it incorrectly. Yeah. Um, if it's awkward, that means that they've, you know, they've done it wrong. Mm -hmm. um that's not the case it is awkward you'll do you it can be you can be doing it entirely rightly and it'd be awkward mm -hmm. and that's just it's someone of the things you have to just um reconcile yourself to um but i think that the, the fear is yeah i think that i'd want to mention don't let the awkwardness mean that you avoid it because there is a you do get through it you know if you persevere you push through that awkwardness there is a way there is the, another the other side of it <laughs> um yeah, it doesn't last forever, especially in personal relationships. It doesn't last forever. Um, yeah, and I'll come back to personal relationships, but I think really the reality is it is awkward to push through. Yeah. Um, but I think this is where the church, actually, we have such a head start on the world for lots of reasons, <laughs> many. <laughs> um, but we have such a head start in the, on the world in the sense that the church is a place where, you know, if the church is, is evangelising worlds with local context and so on, the, and, and your church family is an example of this. There are so many different people here and hopefully um, significant relationships here. And I think, um, of course, these things are worked out on a structural level and an institutional level and so on, but the least place that they are worked out is in real relationships. Yeah. It is in real relationships where somebody knows that um, they're not your experimental uh, from another culture friend <laughs> you're not their token black friend or your or your token white friend that you could you know you can draw for in conversations about things that you say oh, I've, I've, I've got a friend from this place uh, where, but where but where it's a real genuine brotherly affection I care about you I care about your life I'm interested in uh, your kids and you know how's John in year seven doing how's he getting on you know and 
like a genuine care I think where that genuine care and and Christian love brotherly sisterly love is in place love does a it does genuinely cover a multitude of sins (laughs) love will cover over um uh, faux pas and mistakes and misunderstandings and and sin where yeah. something has been done that ought not to have been done obviously it doesn't give way to it it doesn't give permission to it but it gives a space for it to be spoken about in a way that means you're not going to be shamed <laughs> you're not going to be held up and you know to everyone singing told everyone your your cultural mistakes hopefully brother and sisterly affection gives a space for yeah for you to, for to, to ask the questions that you know in another context maybe you ought not to ask <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, to say I'm thinking of saying this but I'm not quite sure how to say it can you help me figure out how to say it yeah. um or to ask how do you feel yeah what language do you feel most comfortable with um now to have those conversations does take relationship but praise God we in Christ we have that in the church we do have that and it's something that is invaluable I think lots of yeah in, I see these conversations take place outside of the church and people are in silos trying to think through how how we ought to relate yeah. um yeah praise god that the church that when we're not that we're in real relationship um asking each other how do i love you well in this um yeah so i think yeah awkwardness push through and relationship last r because everyone loves a three not that the person wasn't r <laughs> last that's one i think we have innumerable resources um if it's something I think that someone is genuinely interested in and genuinely wants to be thoughtful about, um, yeah, what what has a book not been written about at this point? Um, even from Christian perspectives, um, yeah, we 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 have people and places we can go and ask ask our awkward questions, ask our embarrassing questions, ask our you know questions. That I know that I shouldn't. I know that I shouldn't think this, but I do think this. Um, there are, there, there, yeah, first of all, you're probably not the first person to ask that question, which means that there's probably a resource. <laughs> there's a YouTube conversation, there's a podcast, there's a, um, yeah, there's something like this, there's a conversation that's happened elsewhere that can just maybe give you a few pointers as to how to broach those topics. Um, so you're not going in cold. Yeah. You've got a few, you've got a few kind of uh, things in place. I really like the idea of, of relationship actually helps you push through the awkwardness. Um, yeah. We have a, a fantastic guy in church, and uh, one day he came in in full African uh, dress. He just returned from Nigeria with his family, and I, I kind of just jokingly said to him, "You know, I would love to pull off what you can pull off in terms of African mm-hmm. dress. I think I would look a bit out of place in it." But next mm-hmm. day, he went to Nigeria and came back. He brought me a kind of full <laughs> kind of top, and and he was having none of it. I was to put it on for the Sunday service. There you go. You know, full on and and kind of celebrating that what could have been awkward in terms of how we dress actually became a kind of lovely moment between two brothers in Christ yeah Um, and I don't know if I've worn it again (laughs) I I don't think I can pull it off if you ever need to go to a Nigerian wedding uh, well exactly you're ready to go he's kicked you out (laughs) (laughs) Um, now you mentioned in the conference a wonderful phrase that I kind of want to pull out at uh, diversity in diversity. Yeah. What did you mean by that? And why yeah. did you celebrate it? I'm gonna have to get that copyrighted. It's just <laughs> followed me around for a few. <laughs> um, 
I think what I was, so someone kind of, I get the, I get the question often, why there's such a reaction to language of BAME and, and that kind of conversation. Um, BAME, BAME, depending on who you talk to, but generally it stands for Black and Asian Minority Ethnic. And it's kind of language used in formal documents by the government, by education. Um, but lots of people that would be included in BAME really don't like it. And so I often get asked like, why is that? Um, which really gave way to this whole conversation about the diversity and the diversity. If you think about something like BAME, I don't have any strong feelings about it. It has a function, but it's not great for reasons, yeah, we'll get into now. Um, it kind of has this idea that there's, there's white people and then there's everybody else. <laughs> so in the UK, there's white people and then there's, yeah, black, Asian, minority ethnicities. Um, and we kind of deal with them together as one big group of shades of brown. <laughs> um, and I think, um, yeah, and I think the diversity and the diversity wants just really kind of draw attention to within, within really any, take any category, within BAME, but then within Asia, or then within um, the countries on the continent of Asia. And then even within the countries, North or South, there's gonna be such diversity. And I kind of use this um, example, and I think most people kind of, yeah, can, can kind of understand what I'm saying if I say, if you were to walk into your church family and you were to see um, a white German guy talking to a white Polish guy, talking to a white Norwegian guy, you would, most of us would instinctively know that this was like a super cross-cultural moment. There's like different languages, um, different kind of political experiences, different food, um, different education systems, different thoughts about what good art is and what good music is. Like this is a super, cross-cultural experience um and but in the same way if you were to see a, a black caribbean guy um a black ugandan guy and a and a black american person speaking that is that is like different continents different languages different um different yeah ideas of food and art and culture and history and politics and yeah, and, and you can narrow it down really to any degree. If you sick, um, so I've got a lot of Nigerian friends, which is what my lot of my Nigerian um, examples. If you sick Nigeria, um, so some people talk like Africa. Well, Africa is a continent; it's got countries. But even the countries, so Nigeria, for example, you've got North and South Nigeria. They're very different places. But if you talk about even Southern Nigeria, you've got different tribes. You've got Yoruba, you've got Igbo, um, and they've got different languages. So you can imagine within one country within half of the country, there's, there's different languages. And I think um, we really wanna give space to a complexity of identity that we kind of, like, so it's interesting how I would understand myself. So I'm mixed race, um, black Caribbean, white British, um, but I'm third generation in the UK, um, from the North of England, living in the South. And all of those dynamics play a part of my identity. Um, and I think it's really helpful if, if we kind of give space to and give um, yeah, celebration to all of the diversity within the kind of classic diversity category. And, and you could do it pretty much anywhere. So BAME, for example, to, to go back to that, um, an Asian woman is, has a very different experience of life to a, a, an African man in the BAME. And then even within Asia, you know, a woman from South Korea and a woman from Taiwan and a woman who's Chinese, but raised in the UK, well, they have three different <laughs> experiences. Um, and that gives us space. Yeah, again, it, it really does highlight the mind-blowing nature of God's creation. It is mind-blowing, the, the levels 
of diversity, but also gives us space to, to celebrate um, our church families with, with a complexity that, that is present in their identity, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's kind of taking each person as an individual rather yeah. that has a background, that has family ties, that has history, yeah. but they themselves are an individual and therefore they're yeah. diverse as the next person that sits next to them. Exactly. Um, which, which in a church setting uh, brings about a lot of fun and games uh, <laughs> as you try and bring... <laughs> you know, 100, 200 people together who have so many different things. But the one thing is they're united in his Christ. And I think that's yeah, the yeah. beauty, as you say, that the church has a bit of a head start here is that we're united on one thing already. Yeah. It shouldn't be all that hard to then begin to become united on other things. Yeah. But yeah. To some extent, the world doesn't start from a place of unity. It starts from a place of to some extent diversion and division exactly yeah definitely well taking that on uh we've talked about awkwardness we talked about diversity and diversity and um, you're serving in a church i'm serving in a church we both serve alongside leadership teams how can we encourage leadership teams elders deacons staff workers pastors to encourage their church to be diverse so maybe taking it away from the you know, average Joe coming into church to, to, to worship Jesus, to actually leaders trying to strategically bring God's vision to the church. How do we kind of seep it into the church that diversity is a great thing? Yeah, um, yeah, it's a great question. Um, yeah, this is what, yeah, I'm a, I actually my, yeah, love the local church and believe in the, in some ways, the things that God has given us are the things that we need for this conversation the regular preaching and teaching of the word from the pulpit. <laughs> That's a great place for pastors and leaders to start. Um, as and when it is present in the text or as and when it is an appropriate application to make to issues that um, engage with people's experience of race and culture and diversity. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a category of application that, that pastors and church leaders can reach for as they shepherd, yeah. as they shepherd their people. Um, and, it, and, and, I've got such respect for elders because I think shepherding God's people, what a job, what a privilege, <laughs> but we're praying for you guys. This is a tricky, <laughs> tricky, blessed, but tricky job because you're thinking like, as, as a pastor speaking, you're shepherding this congregation. This congregation is diverse. Mm -hmm. And so you do want to know something of your congregation's experiences so that when you're, and pastors do this often, when they're preaching, they're thinking of their congregation. They're thinking of the different ages they have and they're thinking of the different life stages and the different um, financial experiences. It's helpful think about the different uh, racial categories, culture categories, how and how and the kind of experiences that will have come with that. As you're preparing your sermon, you're mindful of your congregation. Add that as another kind of layer of mindfulness to factor in. Um, and where the text is speaking explicitly to that, well, that's your... That's your golden ticket. And, and where it's a helpful application to make from, from another text. Yeah, we trust that God's word does its work. Mm. It does the work by his spirit. God takes his word and applies it to the hearts of his people. And so, you know, when we when pastors and church leaders have that, they're that special moment of, of preaching God's word. This is a great place to kind of have this on, on the agenda where appropriate and where, where in the text. Um, yeah, I think that's a massive one. I think the thing that's something that's general and maybe something really specific to even my own church context not called Baptist church because we're interested we're a black majority church mm. and so we kind of have to think about this in the inverse as most most churches but I come to Stockholm next second thing I think just maybe a bit more um 
kind of formally is is kind of ideas around best practice mm. um yeah we all have we're all working towards what we think best practice is mm. and and that's right for churches to do we want, we want to do things in the way that we think is best <laughs> but where you've got the blessing of a diverse congregation um people will have worshipped and, and gathered on a Sunday in different contexts mm. with different best practices at play. And I think it's such a beautiful thing when you can draw on some of that cross-cultural best practice. Mm. Um, yeah, and so, so kind of simple examples. Um, yeah, music. Um, so obviously it's kind of obvious in the songs that we sing and the languages we sing in and those sorts of things. But some churches will sing one song and then sit down and then sing, you know, have the reading and then sing one song and sit down. And some kind of church cultures and contexts will sing three songs together. Yeah. Five, well, the churches I grew up in, 10 songs together. <laughs> that's half of the service. Anyway, that's another conversation. Um, and so, yeah, if, if, we, if theologically this is a passable idea, is that something we can factor in? And that's not to say that every Sunday, yeah. that's what you do, but is, is this an option for us? Yeah. Prayer is another really, Quite really interesting example i grew up in a church where we had prayer meeting it's time for corporate prayer we were told what we were praying about and then everybody prayed at once <laughs> and for some people that's bizarre um but for some people that's in their context that was best practice i suppose i suppose more prayers are said in this time frame because everyone's praying you're not got to take it in turns but yeah in some churches some people will pray privately quietly in other church contexts you take it in turns to pray out loud um and there may be theological reasons why we object or can endorse, but if we think it through theologically and we don't have any objections to it, how do we absorb other cultures' best practice? Um, preaching, I'm not gonna be too naughty on this one. Preaching is another interesting one. I know that some preachers, and, and, and often when you're speaking, repetition is really like the, you know, it's frowned on. You don't wanna waste words. You've said it once, you don't need to say it twice, you know. I. And but in other contexts, repetition really works. Yeah. Well, often in the Bible, you know, repetition repetition works. Um, but yeah, in preaching, in in as we're speaking, repetition works. Um, is it helpful to consider that as an as an option of of to factor into our best practice? Um, and I think in that you you're absorbing, you're acknowledging that all cultures, because all people are fallen, and people make culture, all cultures will have elements of fallenness. But because all people are made in God's image, and people make culture. All, in, all cultures will bear something of God's yeah. image. And so you want to um, celebrate that and therefore draw from as many as you can. Um, and the last thing I say with regards to Stockwell Baptist Church, like I said, we have the inverse problem. We're a black majority church. But we're, in a, we're in a context in an area that's kind of massive Spanish speaking population. Um, but again, white working class and white middle class. Um, and I think one of the things that I really, I think, has been such a blessing to people that come to our church who are not part of the majority culture. It's for us to acknowledge how, how difficult it is for them to be here. Mm. Um, now, if, if, if there's a massive diverse congregation, which it sounds like yours actually is, like there's a lot of diversity, this would be less so. If you're kind of in a, a, a culture, in a church where there's, you know, there's very few people from other backgrounds and you're one of the first people in that context, um, for you to be there is often, difficult not that you don't want to be there but you want to be there but you don't get all the jokes <laughs> and you don't get all the references and you didn't go to those places on holiday I don't know what you're talking about and I don't know who that music artist is I wasn't listening to R&B I was listening to uh, Oasis or you know we just have different points of reference and so to to be there socially can be quite difficult and I think sometimes um 
it's been a blessing to them for that to be acknowledged. We know that you've been here. It's not that you could be somewhere else and it'd be easier for you. I'm sure there's a church that's an extra 10 minutes away where everyone's like you and you get all the jokes and you don't have to double think anything. You don't have to have any awkward conversations. <laughs> everyone's like you and you could be there, but you've chosen um, to commit to this church family. Um, we know that that's hard and we appreciate you being here. Um, now that can feel like a very awkward conversation. Some people are like, oh no, sh should I say that? Should I not say that? I found it actually quite, a help quite helpful to, the, to those people who are the minority in, in our church family to acknowledge that we're not blind. We can see that you're different to us. Yeah. We, can, yeah, we, we acknowledge that all that you bring to the table, which includes your ethnicity and your culture. We wanna celebrate that and, and let you know that we know, we know that you're different. We know that can make things difficult here. You don't have the natural kind of in relationships that others here might have, but we, you're a part of our church family. We love you for being here and we love you. Um, I yeah. think that can actually go a long way for people who, who maybe are finding it difficult. Um, relational. It's, it's, it's relational. It really is. Relational. Um, it really is. <laughs> if you love that, if you love each individual, then you will want the best for them, think the best for them, help yeah. the best for them within, yeah. as you say, a theological context. Uh, this is not something that I necessarily had planned to ask Abby. Yeah, no, go for it. <laughs> but, but let's see, let's see how you you go for this one. Um, you, you talk about preaching, uh, and and I fully one hundred percent agree with you that. Uh, so we, we're coming towards the end of a Mark's Gospel series. We've been in it yeah. 18 months. We've been, uh, I'm, I'm, I think it will clock up to 55 sermons. We're wow. celebrating, you know, it's, it's time to go to the next book. Um, <laughs> but well done. There is a rising, uh, agendas may be the wrong word, maybe a, a rising attempt to speak and preach topically when yeah. matters arise. Um, yeah. Uh, can I ask you as, as blunt as this do you think the pulpit should be used to speak into I guess uh, societal issues for instance race when they come up um or yeah let me just ask you that straight do you think it should be a topical thing or do you think as you say it should be a textual thing yeah you know it's so funny it's the same it's actually the same answer it's relationship I'm gonna say something this is how Stockwell Baptist Church and well and I think um we actually have members meetings and I think as, as far as we're aware that um issues that are happening in wider society are affecting our church family mm. the people with whom we are the body of Christ um we don't want to ignore that we want to we want to love the whole person well and when one part of the body hurts we all hurt all that sort of thing so there's something happening um that is specifically kind of affecting a part of our congregation we want to acknowledge that and we want to we want to we want to check that they're okay um we want to pray with them we want to hear them we want to hear their lament we want to we want to mourn with those who mourn um the context in which that happens i think yeah there's no law um and the, the best place obviously now everything is online and i think pastors often want to talk to their people sometimes you want to talk to your people you want to you know your people you're shepherding them well you 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 know that how this has specific resonance in your congregation so so maybe that's for the pulpit and that might go on youtube and it doesn't make sense it's out of context and all those sorts of things maybe it happens in a members meeting where we come together and we maybe we lament together maybe we give voice give some people who are experiencing specific specific difficulties space to express their church family how as a christian they're trying to process that um i think um Obviously, I don't think we have maybe Bible studies and there's, there's lots of, I don't think it has to be 
in the pulpit on a Sunday morning for it to be addressed well in the life of the church. Um, there's midweek Bible studies, there's members meetings, there's one-to-one -one visits. If it's, if it's, um, if you're doing a topical series on a Sunday morning, it's a topic. <laughs> and, and I think where it's in the text or where it's an application that could be made from the text, um, I think that's, it's, that's wise to do. So for example, um, you know, if we're talking about a text that's talking about um, the judgment of God mm. and, and wickedness being, um, being judged by a righteous and good God and the coming King who will reign, how do we apply that to, this, in, to yeah, issues of race in this context? People who have done wicked, wicked, wicked things, who have never seen justice on this side of eternity. Mm. Maybe some things that we've seen recorded and on Twitter. Yeah. And the justice that they'll face in this world, A, it may never come, and B, it will never be sufficient. Um, we know that that will be paid for, A, by Jesus Christ, if they repent and trust in him, or B, it, it will be paid for. And that can feel like a really weird thing. Yeah. But again, the Bible gives voice to that kind of feeling of wanting the, yeah, the, the righteous judgment of God for wicked things that have been done. Um, yeah, and when you're thinking about the coming king who will rule and reign in righteousness, what would it look like? When we long for eternity, I'm longing for the time when um, people from different ethnic groups will relate wholly and entirely rightly together without any awkwardness. <laughs> no awkwardness, no, um, no tension, no, no kind of deep-seated suspicion or, or, or resentment or, or, or disparity even. Um, and that, obviously I talk a lot about race issues, but across gender issues, that's the whole of a bag of fish, but when men and women will be able to relate entirely, completely rightly together without hesitation or thought or, or concern or worry. And that is what we're longing for. And that comes with the reign of Christ. So I think where there's yeah, all, all those two things to say, yeah. uh, when we're applying the, the, the truths of the gospel, where there's opportunity to apply those to the issues we know people in our congregation are dealing with, um, do that i'm not saying delete i don't think it's a case of delete your <laughs> delete your well-crafted um sermon series for the next 18 months and put in this this topic i think there are other spaces in the life of the church to do that kind of explicitly topically um and i think members meetings are something we need to make better use of really and then application from sermons i think is also another way to to yeah pastors yeah us that we have to believe the best of, of the men that God has given us to lead um, until we're given reason to not to not do that. Um, and we want to believe that they're trying to shepherd God, shepherd God's people well. And a part of that will be, yeah, with the issues that they're facing and which and some of those will be with regard to race. Um, so it has its place, but it's not necessarily delete your sermon on Sunday. <laughs> I'm not giving you a mandate to rewrite no. on Sunday. Don't worry. You're all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's consistently coming back to relational we we don't it come to these sorts of issues because we want to make a voice or because we want to be seen or because we want to be part of the conversation we want to be relational and love our church family and yeah. and that includes the unsaved that are looking to the church fancer they are our church family in the sense of they're the people we're trying to reach and yeah they, the wider they, community around you is definitely exactly. watching 
definitely. Okay, we have one final question. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna go. We're gonna yeah. We're gonna go for a quick answer on this one. Uh, it's all right to be honest. Uh, it's a podcast, people. If you've if they've switched off by now, we, they won't even know that we're saying anything like this. So, um, but as a, made it this far. Well done. Well yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. If this is your third attempt trying to listen through the whole thing, uh, you know, we're glad you came back. But as a church, uh, Lincoln Baptist has lots of uh, people from all over the world. Um, uh, we have we have diverse culture from from an English base, but we also yeah. have Nigerians, Iranians, Germans, Italians, Americans. Uh, recently, we've been recognizing we have a difference between Germans and Russian Germans, and okay, yeah, different cultures. <laughs> um, basically, the question is. Uh, we want to be multicultural, we want to be multi-ethnic, we want to deal with awkwardness, we want to have these conversations. Give me an idea that's just fun, exciting, celebratory of bringing all these people together and, and you know, is it a... a eat around the globe and we have you know different food from different culture you know what what yeah. have you been to where you've just thought do you know what this church gets it and it's wonderful to be part of this event this organization give me an idea that i can slot into the church in. when we're back from covid and we go we're gonna have this event what is it that i should do i don't know i'm not i'm 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 uh, failing I'm flapping. I don't know if it's an event but in terms of that, that kind of celebration of culture one of the top places you're ever going to do that is music mm. it is and I'm not and that's not to say that now every subculture in the wider church gets a turn on the mic on Sunday that's not what I'm saying <laughs> but we all know there's certain songs that feel very much representative of our context so if you ask like a, a, an English British person what what when you think about your era of music what are that the anthems that come to mind? Graham Those Kendrick. Songs that would just come. What did you say? <laughs> Graham Kendrick, 90s. Graham Kendrick. There you go. Okay, so it's interesting. I don't know what that is, but yeah. like, you, you, this is and this is the exchange. And when I think about my subculture, kind of millennial Caribbean mixed race London, there's certain anthems that come to mind. That kind of nice. Now, now that's in the UK. That's interesting. You know, you've got um, Ugandans in the congregation. When they think about the songs that really express their yeah. the anthem like every Ugandan knows this song yeah. what, what is that song yeah. and it'd be interesting to hear each other's song yeah what, what is the song that every Igbo person knows everyone everyone knows all the words every christening every wedding is played everyone knows the dance um yeah and I think yeah celebrating music is such an instinctive part of mm. of who we are um and to exchange our music and to experience our music mm. and then to say I hate that song or I love that song oh let me hear more of that you know um I think that's that's a great way to a, a very yeah level one way of of showing somebody else you appreciate them in isolation but they're the whole yeah your people we love your people let me know more about your people so what's your official song yeah. Um, our worship team are clearly going to be very busy for the first, no, uh, for yeah, first little while when we get back feel free to do that in a you know cheeky uh, email thread or whatsapp group who knows yeah. i'm not i'm not i'm not trying to get involved with anyone's prison with anyone's music team on a sunday that's beyond my yeah. uh, for sure. i really like the thought process of going to a church that the first half is just just singing i can't sing to save my life but you know i'd love being in that kind of culture of yeah of of just praising god and, and it was interesting i guess 
again, or I'll finish with this little little story. One of our Nigerian friends just said uh, every time they come to church and the sermon's over, they feel like they've only just stretched their legs. You know, where's the next <laughs> four hours of the service? Do you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's been yeah. great talking with you about diversity, about um, church life. Um, I now know somebody I can visit in Brixton next time our come, family goes down. Definitely. I can show us those nail places. I'm sure my girls we'll get some, love well, it. We'll talk about what you want to get done. We can talk about it. <laughs> uh, but, but before we finish, let me pray for Gabby. <laughs> She's got you. two really important roles. Uh, let me pray for Gabby as we finish. Father, I, I thank you so much that we can have a conversation, that, that we are united in Christ and therefore we can deal with the awkwardness and, and not knowing what to say and not knowing what the right phrases are. And so, Father, I thank you for this conversation that we've had with Gabby. Thank you for her wisdom and, and, and just dealing with some of these things head on and just, you know, telling us, you know, get on with the awkwardness, just work your way through it. And uh, Father, we do pray that in, in some of the things that have been said, that it will be encouraging to our church. Uh, Father, we pray for Gabby and her two roles. Father, she clearly has two really important roles. We pray that you fill her up, that you encourage her, that you spur her on, and that she would be a great, great asset. First, yes, to uh, the church and to the FIC, but absolutely to the kingdom of God. And so, Father, we pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.